Yes, spring has sprung, but I'm still saying that. This is episode 97 of The Cool Room, uh, which sees the return of our very, very good friends. I can say that very genuinely tonight from Deeds Brewing. Travis will introduce them shortly, but um, just a couple of little notes from me before we get too far underway. Um, it's fantastic to see how many new listeners we've been picking up over the last few weeks. We know that many of you are in lockdown, so we hope that you're doing okay out there all the way around Australia and the rest of the world. Shout out to Colombia, where you seem to be popping onto the podcast now. So we'll make sure that we uh, explain everything we're doing over here in a way that is explicable to, uh, to people around the world. Um, Check out last month's episodes if you haven't already. I think we had five or six episodes in August. There were some really awesome ones. We had Golden Hills. We had Hop Nation. We had Adroit Theory from the US. We had Carwin Sellers and um, probably even more than that that I can't think of right off the top of my head here, Travis. More importantly, I'm looking to the future. That's the kind of man I am. We currently have our September pack available. There's not too many of them left. Uh, and if you buy one of those September packs, it's a slab of 24 beers, and it has six beers from each of the following four breweries, which means that you can join us live on a Thursday night on Zoom, uh, and that way you can interact with the brewers as you'll hear people doing tonight. Uh, so we have Exit, uh, who haven't been on before. That's really bizarre. Um, we have White Bay, who have been one of the uh, favourite breweries we've had during the blind tastings in August. Uh, we have Bright Brewery returning, and we're really looking forward to tasting through some of their limiteds from this year. And we have the first visit from Westside Aleworks. So it's a pretty magical lineup. Uh, this month's pack has been a bit cheaper than some of the others due to the formatting of the beers being smaller. And um, so they're rolling out the door this weekend. Don't delay if you want to grab some of them. And um, make sure that you rate and review us and subscribe. We were the, I think, Travis, the officially the second most listened to beer podcast in Australia uh, last week, which is pretty awesome. So again, thank you to everyone who's jumped on board. But we're not settling for second best. We want to be number one. So if you're not already subscribed through your podcast hosts to The Cool Room, please do so. And please share the word about what we do. Just like I love sharing the word about Travis Bristos's ceiling windows, as we did as a trivia question on Saturday night. Travis, first day of spring, those ceiling windows, mate, they must have had a bit of extra sunshine coming through them. Uh, hello, David. They most definitely did, although I didn't spend a lot of time up there looking at them today. Um, yes. That's uh, the most ridiculous segue I've done in quite a while, I think. And, you know. the segues are good. Um, we are gonna... Damo, Damo in the cool room is complaining that Skylight, I didn't accept as an answer for ceiling windows. So as the owner of the ceiling windows, you can you can give your thoughts on that matter. Um, well, I, I, that's, that's an interesting concept, but we did have this discussion during the blind tasting session on Sunday um, where I said that I think the right answer was ceiling windows because that's what David refers to them to. 
Um, David That's what I'm obsessed a, with. That was the yeah, question. David's not obsessed with skylights. He's obsessed with ceiling windows. So correct answer. Correct answer. Um, we are going to talk to the guys from Deeds tonight. Um, our other wonderful co-host, Mr. Warren Wu, will join us at some point to talk through the second of our three beers tonight. Uh, we are going to kick things off by talking about the Deeds draft. Um, guys, welcome back. I think David said this is your fifth appearance on the call room. Uh, Justin, Ned, Kumar, how are we, guys? Good. Doing well, mate. Pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Nice Good to be back. To it's um, <laughs> I th- I think that would make you guys the most frequented guests we've had, which is um, which is awesome to have have you guys back on. Um, like David mentioned in his intro, we have listeners all over the world now, which was probably a little bit different than last time you were on. Um, uh, which was also during a Melbourne lockdown. It seems to be a bit of a recurring recurring theme. So. Before we start talking about the beer, let's kick things off uh, like we like to do in the call room and paint us a picture of your brewery, your market, your brand. Where are you guys situated? Give us, a, give those listeners out there a bit of an idea on who Deeds are. Would you like to do that, Kumar? You could smash it out. Come on, <laughs> yeah. salesman Kumar. Yeah, it. sure. This is this is probably the um, the question tonight that I'll be most qualified to answer. Um, so, uh, yeah, basically, Deeds Brewing, um, hopefully at this point, you guys are all at least somewhat familiar with us. Um, but basically, we are an independent brewery based out of Glen Iris. Um, we've been operating as, uh, well, I suppose we were operating as Quiet Deeds for some time um, while we were contract brewing. But we finally got our own digs and thought it was an appropriate time to uh, change the name to Deeds Brewing. Um, uh, where we also sort of changed the ethos about what we did from uh, sort of moving much more towards beers that we want to drink ourselves. Um, and as a result, you have seen some pretty ridiculous beers that we have been very excited to drink. And it sounds like some other people have also been pretty excited to drink. Um, we've got a couple of those with us tonight. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the where at the moment. Uh, we're very, very, very stoked. We've finally got the tap room open after what was getting close to, I don't know, I felt like almost a decade um, of people talking about the tap room opening. When's it going to open? Is it, is it actually happening at all? Um, it finally opened. It is uh, currently um, obviously locked down at the moment. Yeah, currently not <laughs> yeah. open. Um, but uh, yeah, we do have some, some pretty cool takeaway options and stuff for uh, sort of tying us over. Um, the, the food there is bloody exceptional. We've got some... Uh, taproom only beers as well um so yeah when when things do start opening up strongly recommend getting in it's very very nice um it doesn't feel like a tap room if that makes sense it feels like a really nice place to go out for dinner that also happens to be at a brewery that sounds cool um mm. we we like the idea of that and I, you're right i think it I mean, I don't know how you guys feel about, I, I feel, I couldn't tell you how many times I signed a petition to get you guys the tap room opened up. I, um, I'm pretty sure that uh, I signed that petition more than I have any other petition in my entire life. So uh, it seems like well, it's it been going on for a really long time. But um, we, we'll, we'll definitely, we're going to talk more about the tap room as we sort of progress through the recording. Um, 
how was it though? You open your tap room and then obviously we end up back in a lockdown. It must have been a bit of a bit of a blow to the absolutely crushing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very the hard. brand the brand's been around for nine years. So, you know, Pat and Dave have had this dream, you know, to have a brewery and a tap room for a long time, since the beginning, before they even started uh, importing beer. And to finally get it, to finally get it and have it and people be excited about it and the food and the the, you know, the, the bar, you know, the, the hospitality staff and everything to click and just go. It was amazing. And then it stopped. And then it was a bit crushing, a bit crushing. So, but you know, it's all right. We'll get through it. I think we don't have much of a choice. So, yes, well, that's, that's the thing, isn't it? We're sort of, we, we, you know, for those yeah, interstate and international listeners, Melbourne's about to hit their, I think they said yesterday we'll end up being the longest lockdown city in the world. Um, I don't know how many days that works out to be, but it just all seems to blend into one now for me. So as yeah, long as yeah. we're, uh, we're drinking good beer and, and uh, having good chats, I think is the, is the main thing, um, which is a nice little segue into the draft. We are, we're going to talk the D's draft, um, which uh, it's, it's, I'm not sure. Have we chatted about a draft before on the podcast? I don't think we have. Um I presumed that we hadn't, but I yeah, I, I feel like all five episodes that we've had in in the past, I've got to say, yeah, yeah. Um, so guys, let's let's start talking about uh, about the draft. Um, give us a bit of a breakdown on this beer um, for a start. Well, I mean, I'll just say real quick, and then I'll handball it off to Neto. <laughs> But uh, you know, the, uh, <laughs> I feel like Justin's just going to handball tonight. Yeah, he's in. He's, he's, he's that sort of. It's football season. He's it's just here at, at, at the half forward, you know, middle of the half forward, just feeding the the runners who are going past him. Yeah, oh, I know that. The, con- the, the consummate professional racking up all the posies and giving it to the others to do. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. Uh, no, look. Um, you know, it's a funny thing considering the type of beers that we put out, but we're uh. We're huge fans of 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 the logger um, the logger style. Uh, it's a funny kind of thing to think about when you think about a lot of the limiteds that we release, and you know that uh, thick, uh, hoppy, hazy chunk donk business that you know seems to have kind of pinned us into a corner. But you know, we still try to release a lot of limited edition loggers, and and I'm really happy that we have you know uh, the deeds draft as part of our our core range because it's. Um, it's a beer that we, you know, we spend a lot of time with caring for and trying to make better and any opportunity we get to give it longer and tank and do different things like that. It's, um, yeah, it's an important, it's an important beer for us because it's, you know, whether you love macro beer or not, lager is one of the hardest things to make, <laughs> especially consistently and, and to make it well. So, you know, we pride ourselves on that. So now, now it's the handball to Netta to <laughs> talk a little bit more about the recipe Whatever he wants to talk about. Uh, Yeah, I guess when we kind of were developing this new product, it was initially, I can't remember if it was Justin or whether it was um, further up the chain, so to speak, that was kind of driving the idea from Mexican-style lager. Um, I I feel like, was it you, JC? Was that your Uh, kind of, you wanted wanted to try and... Yeah, to get a little bit of a, a corny base to it, like a little yeah. bit of that flavor. Well, we, we wanted to make 
whatever whatever the true origin of it was, we 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 all agreed that um, we wanted to make a lager that was a bit different. Mm-hmm. That was kind of um, had one foot firmly placed in or heavily inspired by a, a traditional style, um, but you know, it's. It's difficult because when you call a beer a draft, you know, people expect a certain thing. But we, do, we just wanted to have something that had a bit of character and a bit of flavour but was, you know, still relatively approachable ABV-wise, um, fairly balanced, not too bitter, not too sweet, um, finished quite um, dry, relatively dry. This, this beer attenuates pretty far. Um, yeah, just, just a really crushable um, drinker something that you know it's it's really it moves a lot in kegs i'm sure kuma i could tell you this this is mainly a keg driven beer drinking pints of this is just it's it's one of the our favorite things to do because it's so it's crystal clear it's got a beautiful laced head on it and yeah who doesn't love drinking a pint of a beer like that so so just just on that it um the difference between the taste of the beer in cans versus kegs? Oh, look, it's it's really six, one, half dozen, the other. I think you can, one of the things for me is you can achieve different levels of carbonation in kegs versus cans because not all draft systems will allow you to pour a higher carbonated beer yep. without like getting a lot of foaming and stuff. So we do push the carb a little bit higher in the cans, which I think for... A lager can be quite nice as long as they don't take yeah. it too sort of spritzy. Um, but look, other than that, man, I think um, I think the experience of just getting a draft beer is something that I love. Um, I don't. I mean, the beer comes from the same tank. You know, it's um. Oh, the other important thing to to note is that beer in a keg we found will probably age a little bit better, just from having. Um, little less exposure to heat and oxygen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, that's, that, that's, that's in my humble experience anyway. Um, a, a lot of the listeners that are in the room tonight, as well as those that will listen to the podcast version of this, they, they know you guys um, for your more extreme beers, which we sort of touched on just before. Um what what made you guys? What was the pinnacle moment where you went? We need to do something like this and release this draft. Was it was it based around the fact that uh, you you already had that establishment of those extreme beers in the market and and selling? Um, you know that you then sort of decided you need to sort of simplify things and release a draft that people can just sort of buy as a four pack and smash away at. I just can't drink double IPA every day. I mean, I can, and I've tried for a long time, <laughs> double IPA and triple IPA. And my fridge was just full of them because, you know, I want to, we always say we want to make beer, we want to drink. And I think it's very true on the production team. I mean, the whole company is like that and we really drive that forward. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, in all seriousness, I think that there is, there is something wonderful about having a light lager and I'm a huge I'm a huge fan of having a lighter beer and it's something that you can have more than one can of because if you sit down and you have, you know, a couple 440 mil triple IPAs, it's pretty much the end of the night. If you want to kick on and whatever, you're in a better position to have with the draft. And I think that there will always be a market for 
the draft and for a logger. And I also think that a craft style logger is in some ways can be a gateway for people. I, you know, I don't yeah. know if I like to use that word gateway, but yeah, kind of, if you're not drinking, if you're not drink, if you're, if you're not really into craft beer, uh, you know, stepping right in and drinking a bourbon barrel aged Imperial stout, it's probably not the way to go. You know, it's probably not going to go well or drinking a, uh, French toast, maple syrup inspired, thick double IPA, probably not the way to go. Probably start with a lager and then ease into these things. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know, Kumar. I mean, I think you're you're out there selling it, so I don't know yeah, if you agree. Yeah, well, I think I think um, also certainly from from my perspective, a, a big part of it is that um, there's no there's no one, or certainly for me anyway, there's no one best beer, but there is a best beer for a situation, and sometimes that situation will be very conducive to sitting down with a chalk mint imperial stout, um, and sometimes that situation will be accidentally sinking two six packs of the deeds draft because it's hot and you're you know not locked down and out at a picnic somewhere and uh it's just um it's it's a really lovely drinking beer and it, it's um yeah it, it's it's almost like a an experience by itself um, you're on think- point you're on point there you yeah. managed to sell two beers in just one statement about the market that's you know Ah <laughs> oh dear, yeah, it's been a while since I managed to get out in trade, so you guys are going to be subjected to my sales as well. Um, did you find that that it was a big seller right from the start? I mean, p- personally, I think it out of all the deeds beers that I've ever drank, I'm more likely to pick up a six pack of the draft than I am multiple of any of your other beers. Was it was it instant? Was it honestly? Kind of, yeah. Um, we uh, we went in with a, a strategy, and and I think the timing was really good. We managed to get it out. Um, just I think, if memory serves, while the weather was still warm, um, we'd been uh, sort of growing in popularity and respect as a brewery. Um, uh, the the team was sort of ready to rock with it. We had all of the backing. The sales team had all the backing we need. The production team made a fantastic product. Um, the price is right for customers and uh, yeah, it, it's, it does, it works for us. It, it does a lot of work for us. Nice. We, we're going to, we're going to backtrack um, for a second. Uh, one of the people in the zoom room tonight, Damo and Hugo put up a question in the room, which I think is, um, is really on point for what we've just been talking about. Um, and, and that brings us to the whole, if you're in the zoom room with us, you get to sit down and ask questions as we go along and we'll try to get to as many of them as we possibly can. Um, David is always good at uh, finding the questions and then letting me know they're there. So um, guys, we had uh, the guys from hop nation on last week and they were saying that uh, uh, the ratty had a different head retention in a can versus draft because of the canning procedure. Um, in relation to this beer, have you guys noticed anything similar to that? Uh, yeah, I've, I've noticed. I mean, yeah, this this beer does have a particularly good foam when it's poured um, on draft. I haven't had many in the in the tap room because uh, you know I blinked and then the tap room was open and then shut, <laughs> and we're halfway through another bloody elongated lockdown. Snap lockdown, we call them. Um, 
Yeah, but I've drunk quite a few pints of this at Carwin over the time and quite often the, the lacing goes all the way to the bottom of the glass. Um, and, yeah, now that you mention it, it absolutely doesn't always do that when it's in a can. Um, and if I had to guess what they're talking about, I'd probably say that it's due to the fobbing. That, um, now, what is, does that uh, mean? So basically for those, when you for those who are new to the show. Yeah, okay. So when you when you're canning when when you're kegging a beer versus when you're canning a beer, um, when you're kegging a beer, you can keg it under pressure. So um, basically CO2 wants to come out of beer all the time. Like if it's going from a higher pressure to a lower pressure or a temperature change or something like that. It wants to escape from the beer. We call that breaking out. CO2 wants to break out a solution. Um, and that's that shows itself when you get foam. The beer foams up. So if you ever, like, pour your beer into a glass quite aggressively or from a height or something, or if the beer's a bit too warm, you know, or if the beer's really carbonated, you get shitloads of foam and it'll, like, want to come out of the top of the glass. So that doesn't happen so much when you're kegging because you've got a lot of back pressure on the keg. The pressure helps the CO2 stay in solution. Um, so you're basically keeping all those, um, the, the, the foam positive proteins and stuff, which, which really aid in head retention, stay in the beer. When you're canning, um, it's obviously, it's an, you're, you're filling under back pressure as well most of the time. But once the can comes down from the head of the beer, depending on the filler, I'm not totally familiar with the Cody at Hop Nation, but depending on the filler, um, once it comes out, you want to encourage what you call a fob. Fobbing is the beer will foam over and, and just slightly up and out of the can. And this is really important because it means that you can, um, when you come to steam the, the top, the lid of the can onto the can, you get less dissolved oxygen in the beer. If you don't have it fobbing up, we call it capping on foam, you know, or back when bottle fillers were a thing. Uh, yeah, you, you, you basically, all the foam comes up and push, pushes any oxygen out of the headspace. And the foam has got a lot of CO2 in it, right? So it's, it's about getting the oxygen out and then sealing the beer before it can get trapped in there. Yeah, right. Um, the science nerds in the room tonight have just, you've just made their night. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, that's brilliant. Um, David, you had a couple of other questions. You I've, I've, got, to a, I've got a couple of questions. Yeah, I've got a couple of questions and, and, and very much not the sciencey ones. It's the, the selling of the beer type questions, which I guess is sort of, you know, the background that I've come from and perhaps one that Kumar might want to handle. Um, draft, which is on the front of this can, means certain things, particularly in Victoria and particularly in Melbourne. Um, you know, how do you think it would be be selling this beer if it had lager written on the front in Melbourne instead and you know what does draft mean in the market here and what does lager mean we've had a lot of conversations about lager on the on the podcast in the last few weeks yeah I mean I think draft is it shouldn't be but um, it's just the way that it's worked out draft has become a very evocative word when it's when you're talking about a beer and when you slap draft on it um, you're anticipating something that you are probably going to be able to drink quite a lot of and it's going to be very easy drinking um and uh yeah i think like obviously it's come from uh the ubiquitousness of some of the macro products um 
which I suppose also in a sense we, yeah, it, it's almost a way for the beer to be more accessible. Um, people who don't necessarily know deeds will see deeds on the front and that won't mean anything to them, but they'll see draft and they'll know what that means. Um, and they'll be like, oh, you know, it's a, it's a nice black can. Price is pretty reasonable. Yeah, why not? I'll give it a bash. Whereas other people will see the deeds logo on it um, and be like, yeah, that's, that's good enough for me. I'll grab that. Um, so I think a big part of it is accessibility um, and making sure that it's, and it is a very, very good introduction beer to go for, like for people who only drink macro beers to independent beers because it'll have, um, you know, it's a lager. So there'll be similarities there, but also there's enough difference that they're like, oh yeah, it's like that, but also it's a bit like this, you know, we very, very lightly dry hopped it with Mandarin and Bavaria. So it's almost, you know, I've explained it like we're putting fluoride in the water where you can't really pick it up if you, you don't know what you're looking for. That's the selling point you're going with? Because um, I'm not a, sure that's the yeah, selling no, point. Yeah, no, no, this is not necessarily a selling point. It's more like um, uh, it, for people who aren't craft drinkers and aren't used to interesting hops in their beers, um, it's like a very, very delicate amount where if you're not really hunting for it, you're not going to pick it up. But eventually, if they drink enough of it, their palates are going to start getting accustomed to having that in their beers. And then maybe they try something a little bit more hoppy, a little bit more adventurous in the future. And where before it would have like baffled their palate, they've just sneakily become a little bit more used to drinking beers like that. So, so, so not just fluoride anymore, but actual microchips controlled by the CIA. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That'll turn on when we hit 90% of uh, vaccinations. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> The other, question, vaccine. <laughs> the other question that I had was um, asked by Graham, who's um, another one of the listeners who's in the Zoom room tonight, uh, who asked it to me directly because he's a very nice, polite man who didn't want to cause a kerfuffle by typing it in the, uh, the whole room. And it was about some of the malt bill that you've got here and about, you know, why these malts in this one? Do you use maize malt in other beers and so forth? And we'll talk a bit more about malts as we go along, but... I thought I'd ask that one while it was uh, in my little feed in the chat. Oh uh, yeah, I, it's a it's a fairly it's a fairly uh, it's a fairly simple malt bill for the draft. Um, you know, we use a, a base malt, and then we used a, a bit of flake maize on top of that, and um, and then in the kettle we use um, a, a, a German varietal that has some uh, fruit aspects to it, the uh, Mandrina Bavaria, as the uh, the hop. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, that's, that, that kind of base is where it starts. And then as we brew the beer continually, we slowly, uh, tweak it, um, to better improve what we're going for, whether we change the, the mash profile or the salts, or we look at different styles of lager yeast that we like to try as we, you know, slowly, uh, work towards, um, continuous improvement. You know, we want to do a sensory at work and give it a 10 out of 10 every time. And that's. That's kind of the battle that we face. That's a, that's a great answer. Um, very soon, we are going to move on to the next beer, and there's been a few people in the room asking what that is. It uh, will be the counterbalance, uh, Hazy Pale. Um, it wouldn't be a cool room, meet the brewers without a hazy at the moment. So it's... Um, you know, they're everywhere, and we'll touch on that when Warren takes over. Uh, before we do, we are going to... We're going to go a little bit controversial here. Oh, um, hang on. Why wasn't I warned? Oh, I didn't know we had to warn you if we're getting controversial. You're the one that wrote the questions. 
That takes all the mystery out of it, mate. Edit that bit out. Yeah. Um, guys, this is uh, this is going to be an interesting question because I'm not sure we've ever gone this controversial. Controversy yeah. corner. How do you how do you guys feel about what we would refer to as casual craft beer fans who don't really appreciate the full extent of the beers you craft? They're the best. <laughs> They've got low expectations, you know, no judgment. They're easy to please, um, happy to try new things and um, can be a bit uh, uh, a bit adventurous. Their palates haven't been honed in from years and years of IPA drinking. So they, they, they don't need like they can they can taste subtle flavors and don't need to be hit by a freight train. Um, no, I think I think I'm never going to, you know, it's like denouncing macro beer drinkers. It's like it's the biggest beer on the planet lager and 80 percent of the world drinks it. And we're in this tiny little market that sometimes feels like a bubble. So I think casual craft beer drinkers are the best. You know, my neighbor's one. So I'm 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 happy with them because, um, you know, they don't have untapped accounts. They're not on Instagram talking, you know, talking smack. You know, they're wonderful people, wonderful people. So, uh, no, I think they're good. I, I don't know if you have an opinion, Ned or Kumar, but, uh, you know, I think they're, they're the salt of the earth. I, I say this all the time, and I don't know if I'm right or if I'm wrong or people even care, but for me, I think that there's a beer for everyone. And people say, oh, I don't like beer. I'm like, okay, that's fair, but maybe you just haven't been shown a beer or you haven't tried a beer that, is something for you and say what you want about your macro drinkers. You know, the draft is something that would be the perfect entry into craft beer for someone like that. I saw someone say before, do you have anything like Carlton? This would be the closest thing that we have. Um, And it will probably remain the closest thing that we have. Um, It's definitely more full flavored and, uh, but you know that's that's what people come to expect with craft beer. It's it's about trying something different, about trying something with a lot of flavour. Um, you know, there's beers that are bitter, there's beers that are sour, there's high alcohol, there's no alcohol, there's roasty, there's um, you know all kinds of adjuncts that are used. There's super super sweet beers these days. There's barrel aged, like all the different. And, and then all the traditional styles, like there's no such, like, I don't know, people get on their high horse about beer should be this. Oh, this isn't, it says this. Why isn't it this, this idea that I've got in my head or that other people are telling me it should be. It's like, it's beer, you know, it's everyone should be able to see it in their own light and, and enjoy it. And if you don't enjoy it, fine. It's cool. You don't have to get online and tell everyone how shit it is, but. You know, if you want to do that too, that's your that's that's your prerogative. That's fine. You know, rock we're, on. We're we're kind of used to it by now. To be <laughs> I think the last thing to the last thing I just want to add is that at some point in our lives, it may be far enough back that it's very very hard to remember or a time that we've tried to forget. But at some point or another, all of us were casual craft beer drinkers. Yeah, that's, absolutely. Yep. Bang on. Yeah. Very good point, Kumar. We've uh, we've all been there. Um, I think that's going to be a really good segue from being a casual 
craft beer drinker that could be starting on the draft, heading straight into a um, a 5.8% hazy pale. So uh, welcome, Mr. Warren Wu. Evening, Travis. I'm not even entirely sure what time you arrived in the room. Um, You snuck in very stealthy-like. 6.42. Oh, there you go. Someone said 6.42. That's awesome. Great. (laughs) Nice, Cooper, but no. Earlier. Oh, there you go. Six forty-two. Uh, no, actually, no. It was probably six forty-two. Yeah, absolutely yeah. six forty-two. I, I think you're right. Sorry to correct you. You just got a wink off, Kuma. I reckon. Yeah, nice right. work, Kuma. Um, Warren is going to take us through the counterbalance, so I'm going to pour my beer and hand things over to Warren to uh, kick this one off. Um, this is good, and I learned a new term for, and this beer isn't. It doesn't describe. This term doesn't describe this beer at all. Is definitely not a thick, hazy, chonky donk. Um, <laughs> thanks, JC. <laughs> uh, it is. It's. It's. It's something else, and it's the second second week in a row that we've come across uh, a hazy which isn't, you know, six like eight and a half, seven and a half, eight and a half percent. It's a fairly kind of fairly standard uh, ABV hazy so is is this i suppose the question is um yeah we saw hop nations uh melbourne fog last week are we is this what what we're looking at nowadays are we are we are we going away from from big old big old uh chonk donk hazies (laughs) to to a little bit more drinkable a little bit more elegant sessionable hazies I think you're going to have both. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think that yeah. the Tronc Donk will live on. Um, I think, you know, I still will, and maybe people will agree, will still chase my 7, 8, 9% IPAs and double IPAs and triple IPAs. Um, but I think that, I think there's a strong place for Hazy Pales because, you know, I mean, before Hazy is what it was all about, these, t- these types of beers were all about packing in as much flavor as you could possibly get. And the haze was the byproduct of that. Um, and, you know, doing different things with hops and the fermenter was a byproduct of that. So for me, I think it's a natural progression. I think hazy pails are actually slightly harder to brew than your big double IPAs, which is a funny thing to say, but I think it's true because at least with double big, big IPAs, you've got this ethanol balance to help balance out the beer. You know, you've got big flavor, big ethanol helps keep everything in check. Whereas you got these lower ABV hazy pails, You've got this huge flavor, but you don't have the alcohol to back it up. So you have to be, I think, a little bit more crafty in designing it. And, you know, we've slowly started focusing, I think, more and more. We're going to try to release, I think, over time, more and more hazy pails because, you know, we're slowly getting it to where we want it to be so that it's smashable and huge flavor and, and balanced. The the Hop Nation guys actually said something really similar in terms of, of having that ethanol to be able to, to go hang, hang flavor off uh, their solution. And they kind of took it out of yeah, your playbook was to add, um, was to add a little lactose just to give it some, some of that sweetness as the, the backbone. How, how have you approached the same problem? Have you guys just gone to, to what you know and thrown in some milk sugars or did you, did you guys, have you guys taken a different approach with this? Uh, it depends on the beer. Um, we've certainly been known, well, I mean, the fact that you said out of our playbook, 
people think <laughs> beer is a lot of lactose, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. Right there. We actually yeah, invented yeah. putting lactose in beers, guys. Yeah, I, I yeah. know. You guys were the first. of the beggar mafia. It was amazing. The mafia. There, <laughs> there was no dairy industry before Deeds Brewing. <laughs> before <crap>. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So, no, nah, we, we don't. We didn't use lactose in this one, but um, we have certainly found that it does help to round out um, with a, a deft touch of the hand does help to round out um, those more intense sort of green edges, I guess, you can, you, you can get from using a, a metric shit tonne of hops in the fermenter. Um, sometimes, yeah, it can really take a, a good while to sort of round out and the lactose helps to accentuate that pillowy, pillowy bottle, body that uh, everyone is so, so fond of. Um, just, just to defend myself, it was JC that, that said you'd painted yourselves in a chonk donk corner. So <laughs> let's, not, let's not forget that the, yes. you no, guys have put it, that label on. But speaking of that chonk donk corner, how has your, how is, how has your audience received the, received this kind of fairly, you know, um, standard ABV hazy, beer like how how's it being taken up with the market compared to other to other releases where where which are, are more brutish and have that have like a shit ton more more going on on the shit ton more alcohol going on i think it's being received with some confusion <laughs> <laughs> from some people i drink one can and i'm not falling down what's going yeah, on yeah. what the- what happened this is saying I can drive afterwards. I just don't <laughs> like. I don't get it. Um, no, not it's... that we can drive anywhere at the moment. I was yeah. going to say. No. Yeah, yeah. no, you can't. You you're can't. doing more to help the five-kilometer rule in Melbourne than any other brewery. Right <laughs> We're just doing you're, our part. You're welcome. We're just doing you're our welcome. part. I don't know, um, Kumar. Has it has it gone well? Have people responded well to it? You know. Yeah. So um, it's. Uh, I think absolutely it's people are always excited to see something that is uh, something that is a bit easier to enjoy a whole can by yourself Um, because yeah I mean looking at the can here it's what 2.1 standard drinks in a 440 mil can where um, yeah we've definitely done some that are an irresponsible amount of standard drinks for one person to have by themselves necessarily in the session. Um, so certainly uh, people have been very, very appreciative of that. Um, and as well with, uh, I know that certainly when I'm in lockdown myself, I'm aware of the reduction in physical activity that I'm doing. So the reduction in standard drinks that I'm consuming in a can is probably a, an added bonus as well. Um, reduction of physical activity, is that? Physical activity, no, no, no. <laughs> no reduction in physical activity. <laughs> I might, I might have, it might have been my ears rather than your mouth that got that wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, sorry, one, one other thing I just wanted to very quickly touch on because um, we're talking about lactose um, and someone was, I think Warren was asking if this one actually has lactose in it. Um, on the back of our cans, we've done this for quite a long time. We have both the hops and the style, but also if we use adjuncts or um, extras like lactose, we will actually list it on the back of the can. So if at any point you're picking up a beer and for whatever reason you can't have lactose, um, if you check the back of a Deeds Brewing can and it doesn't say lactose in the ingredients list, then you know you're all clear. 
that goes for any of you uh, Sabro fans out there too. If you're uh, if you're not a fan of Sabro, it will actually be written on the can. So go ahead and uh, have a little look before you buy that bad boy. And and just a quick shout out. I mean, if you go back to the very first time, I think that Kumar was on the podcast many moons ago. I've said so many good things about him as a beer rep. Um, we won't revisit that whole hour. But again, yesterday when I quickly got in touch with him to ask about, I think was it sodium metabisulfate, one of our uh, regulars was asking if you use that. And again, you got back to me within about 10, 15 minutes on that front, mate. And um, That's because that's because Justin got back to me within uh, a smaller amount of time. Than that, so. But that's that genuinely just made it. I got a sale out of that as a proprietor of a business. We have a happy customer who's happily doing a little dance there in her little bit of the screen. But, you know, it that means so much. And so that kind of information sharing that you're talking about, um, rather than hiding it away, and lactose being another good example, you know, means so much. People, people are happy to buy and are confident to buy when they know that. Yeah, yeah. and I think... I think, ahead, I think uh, yeah, I, I feel like I'm going to say exactly what Justin was going to say in the sense that um uh like it's it's nice to be able to make an informed decision there's so many good craft beers out and about these days that like if you know that you have a very strong um favor for a particular hop or a very strong aversion to a particular hop it's very very nice to be able to look on the back of the can and be like oh I'm pretty confident that this beer is going to be like my absolute favorite because it's got the, the holy grail of the, like the, the trifecta of hops. Um, or I just hate this particular hop and that's like the leading hop here. I'm going to put this one down and I'm going to get a different beer that I'll probably enjoy a bit more. So I think giving, empowering people to make their own decisions um, is, uh, yeah, there's, there's no negative to us on that side. We spend so much time putting all that stuff on the can and writing the stuff on the can and then people don't read it and they buy Naked Brunch and they uh, give it one star because <laughs> they didn't know it had maple syrup in it. And it's like, all you have to do is read the can and then you don't have to buy it. It's not what you want. It takes a lot of time and it's all put there for a reason to give you, like when I go buy a beer, I'm looking at the bottom of the can. I'm looking at the ABV. I'm looking for any information I can get so that I know what it is I'm going to drink. But like, you know, that's why we put it there. We made early decisions early on to like pack it with as much info as possible so that you can make an informed decision. Yeah. I've got that. This is, this is strange. And I want to continue this discussion just a little bit. I've got an admission. I accidentally smashed a naked brunch um, just in the time that I've been on the podcast, because I thought that was the beer that we were um, that I was drinking, uh, that I was uh, asking questions about, and then I opened it, so I had to drink the whole thing. <laughs> and while I was drinking it, I, I I did I I did look at the blurb, and the blurb says instead of instead of lactose, it does say lactose as an addition, but milk sugar. I don't know if you guys if you guys are directly responsible for writing the blurb, but is the is adding milk sugar instead of lactose a marketing decision? Is it a decision to go well? Everyone's into like everyone knows what it is. Everyone's got it in their head, but maybe if we word it a different way, sounds it, more like breakfast. It sounds more like breakfast. Is that the <laughs> yeah? But that's this a guy, breakfast beer. That's yeah. the only that's that's why it says that. I, yeah, think. I, I mean, it, it could have yeah. it could have said lactose as well, but I think we were like. Breakfast has milk. Breakfast, yeah, breakfast has, has milk. 
Have yeah, your cereal exactly. done breakfast. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I get that. I'm totally in that. That's cool. All Did right. So go back down. To- okay. Um. Oh, it's a big beer. It's a it's, it's, it's a chonk donk of a beer. It is. It is the true chonk donk. It is totally a chonk donk beer. Um, it's interesting that that kind of the 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 maple gives a real fenugreek kind of character. And what's what's fenugreek mean? Genuine, yeah. For those playing at home, we don't we don't all own fifteen thousand restaurants across the greater metropolitan area. Warren. This will be a trivia question next it's, week, Ron. Like it could sub, well be. It's like a subcontinental spice. So there's like a, like, that, I know that what explains it, nothing to me. It's like, it's like a really savory kind of pungent spice that's used quite heavily in the subcontinent. Does okay. that make sense? Makes sense, but you're not really telling us what it tastes I like. Because I don't. Yeah, not, well, thank you, from, Ned. I'm glad. I'm, apart just... from out of a jar, when it, <laughs> it looks like it looks like chunks of um, it looks like I don't know, like chunks of of, of brown sugar, like un, un unrefined brown sugar, I suppose. Like they're kind of like brown caramel colored chunks. Is that what? Look no, no, they're white. Sorry, they're, it's like white powdery chunks. Am I got that? Yeah. Whenever I've seen fenugreek, it's it's like white powdery chunks. White powdery chunks you find in the kitchen. Don't really want to go there, mate. We we, we're going to get back, but someone just mentioned in the Zoom chat. um, Mugs actually explained it really well during the Bonehead episode. So perhaps people should go back and listen to the Bonehead episode before the next trivia night, Um, and then that way they'll uh, they'll be able to get the right answer. I don't think they explained it either. I don't think they got it either. Hey, quick Google. Thanks, Jeff. Nice work. Uh, there you go. Yeah, Ash. hold on. Let me quickly try to read this. Anyway, reminiscent of maple syrup and bird sugar. You're great. <laughs> it can be incredibly bitter, bitter when eaten raw. No, that still doesn't explain what it is. Like, it's, and it does look kind of weird. Oh, it's a seed? Is it one? <laughs> I, I think I'm pretty sure we were talking about what it tastes like and not what it looks like. Oh, well, I was thinking what it looks like because it looks kind of weird as fuck. I <laughs> you started talking about it, <laughs> uh, guys. This is what happens when you smash a can of naked brunch. So please <laughs> drink responsibly. Exactly I'm enjoying this tangent though. I like bring the bell, Travis. Get us back on track. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think steer we're this back on course. We um, are gonna, right, so, br- we're going to bring this. Bring this back on back on track. Um, let's let's get back onto the counterbalance and um, and so, go. So we asked we asked D. I think we asked. I think we've asked them five times, like every single time they're on, except for when we bumped into them at, at uh, Gabs this year. But yeah, it, where when's is when's the when's the hazy train gonna gonna pull up at a station, not continue? When when's the end of the line for hazies? Like, are we are we just gonna see them as part of the Part yeah, of the la- the beer landscape forever. Um, is this something that 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 we should continue expecting to see? I think so. I think it's going to be forever. I I I, I think so. I, you might have thought a few years ago that it was going to be a fad or whatever, but like I said early on, originally when they were first starting to be made in the United States, it was very much based on putting hops in during fermentation and adding huge charges of hops into into to beers and getting these amazing aromas and flavors um, in the can and the, 
the Hayes was kind of a byproduct, but then it's interesting how it's kind of evolved to where Hayes is kind of like the main player in the show now and that people expect it and want it to look a certain way and make sure they put it on the right filter on Instagram to make it pop hashtag no filter. And, um, you know, it's like one of those things. Uh, I think that because people, you know, just like myself, whose palate has been fatigued from years and years and years of drinking IPA, I think that hazies are going to be around for a long time because they offer the opportunity to um, just give you intense and, and bolder flavors. And when you start adding uh, more and more hops into your process, you know, over time, it's naturally going to, you know, become hazy. So I don't know, Ned, Ned. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that um, the, the hop industry that's been driving so hard um, to create hops that are so heavily um, geared towards these kind of new world flavors. I mean, even calling it new world is just, it's kind of no one says that cliche. anymore, but it is kind of cliche. But I mean, it's, it's just the flavors that you can get out of hops and the characters that you can get out of hops when you use them, these kind of styles of beer is just, it's unprecedented before this style right like you can just get such huge amounts of flavor and aroma when you use them in this way like it's they're fucking delicious like <laughs> i don't yeah. think any i don't think anyone would argue with that um you know yeah they might be too sweet or they might be too chunky for some or maybe they've got lactose <laughs> whatever um who cares if they're hazy or they're not or you know some people do but if you were to close your eyes and, and drink it and smell it and then drink it like it's just they're amazing i mean that's it's an ipa right like it's like saying an ipa is going to go out of fashion mm. no yeah, absolutely right. not yeah absolutely not they've been in fashion for a long time they've just changed they're just morphing like and just changing as time goes by mm. um and maybe look maybe doing beers with 20 or 30 or more grams a liter of dry hops is not going to be the way always, but, you know, maybe we'll find a sweet spot coming back. I mean, we certainly find really good results using that many hops in dry hop, but um, yeah, I just, I don't think they're going anywhere. They're just delicious. Like mm. unless something else comes along and fills their place, it's not going to be cold IPA. If anyone thinks that's the case. <laughs> that was in the, the yeah, Zoom It definitely wasn't before. brewed IPA. Yeah. Well, we, oh, uh, what? It's not let's, a whole, let's jump so to why that question. Is it be, why is it going to be cold, cold IPA? You mean IPLs? Yeah. IPL. Well, <laughs> I mean, IPLs had their day in court already, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really Although like them. Although there'd be some brewers who think they still they still haven't quite hit the the spot. But yeah, if so, what what's ex, can you guys explain to us what you perceive as the difference <clears throat> between uh, a cold IPA and an IPL? And and mugs, you don't need to ask that question anymore, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, look, I don't know. We haven't made one yet. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should do it, though, because, like, uh, yeah, you know, uh, we'll run out of ideas. Um, no, I think we're probably going to make one. Like, right? Yeah, well, I was going to say, like, as soon as I, um, uh, I was, yeah, I was having a chat with someone about this the other day, and, and they mentioned that basically they're just, um, they're just IPLs, but remarketed. 
And I was like, oh, no, we're absolutely going to brew one because I know the boys love any excuse to brew, to do anything remotely crispy. So <laughs> if, if there's lager, if there's an excuse to brew some form of lager and uh, get it out earlier than it would have otherwise been going out, then absolutely, I feel like the boys will be getting about it. So, look, I, I, I mean... I, I just want to say one thing. Think about the name. Cold IPA. What does the A stand for? Ale. Mm. So you're making a lager, and yet you've got ale in the name. Like mm. from there, I'm I, I'm confused. I, I don't know. I'm not demarking so, the style, so, and I'm not trying so to what be we, angry. What we've heard in the past is like you're brewing an ale, but you're doing it at a low temperature. Yeah, so you're using ale yeasts at a low temperature. But is everybody nah, using ale yeast? I think they're I'm, using lager yeast. No, nah, it's it's Kevin Kevin Davy from from Wayfarer in Portland. Yeah. He's the one that started it, and he uses yeah. lager. I mean, yeah, tell us what you really think about him. We we need to get the ratings up over in that part of the world. <laughs> Kevin Kevin Davy's a bloody legend. He makes some of the best lager on the planet. Oh, that's not yeah. helping. Way, Wayfarer <laughs> is amazing. They make the most amazing traditional lagers. Um, but yeah, I mean, my understanding of cold IPA. And I'm sure they're going to take off. We'll probably make one before the end of the year. But Here's our scoop. That's going remember, to be the most. Remember us while you're making it. Remember us while you're you're standing there thinking, will, what the fuck are we doing? I, I want that beer to be called The Cool Room, guys. We will call it The Cool Room. Yeah. We'll call it not, The Cool Room. Not, not, there you go. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, there you wow. go. So cold, it's Cool That's Room. It's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah. But I'm, like, I'm with JC. I think that having to – okay, a few things. Cold IPA, yeah, it's not an ale. So I think calling an IPA is just stupid. Mm. It's It's got a lot of hops. That doesn't necessarily make it an IPA. Calling it an IPL obviously didn't work. That never really took off because there's no such thing as an India pale lager because the whole story behind IPA is, you know, the India thing or whatever. It's mm. like there's history behind that. If you're not familiar with the story, I'm certainly not going to give my shitty <laughs> version of it. But... Um, I guess the beer needs its own identity. Like just because it's really well hopped and dry hopped out the bejesus and it's, it's clear and it's crisp like a lager and it's got a very neutral fermentation profile, you know, it's maybe it needs its own um, denotion, you know, like um, instead of trying to pigeonhole it into something um, and getting caught up in, the semantics of what it is. Yeah. Um, why that, not, like, why not just call it a hoppy lager? Or maybe, you know, you could call it something else, but I think that, yeah, I think the IPA thing is just, you know. IPA cell. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Having said that, I would love to make a lager that we dry hop on day two and day three and treat it like a hazy IPA, you know. Maybe it will come out crystal clear and maybe you could probably call it a cold IPA, but. I'd prefer not to. The right recipe, the right ingredients, the right process. As long as it tastes delicious, who cares? Yeah. yeah. If they're making cold IPAs and they taste delicious and that's what they want to call them, then so be it. Like, I'm yeah. fine with that. Yeah. This episode of the podcast is going to come out at a really interesting time considering by probably the weekend or early next week, there'll be a cold IPA in fridges in bottle shops around Melbourne from another brewery. It'll be, <laughs> we're, we're being controversial and topical. I, I like Controversy this. Controversy corner. Yeah. Right. yeah. Um, on that note, we should probably take a break. Well, can can, can I ask what? Can I ask oh, one little no. controversy corner question while we're in controversy corner? 
and um, genuinely, you guys are being really sort of open with your answers, and we appreciate that. Um, Mark uh, has asked a question in the cool room chat, which is a really interesting one. I don't know how you guys will respond to this. Um, he's asked the question about whether you sort of have rivals in Melbourne brewing. Do are there? I guess. Yeah. Could I phrase it like you know, in terms of siblings? Do you sort of compete in a positive way against other breweries and try and do fun things, or are there ones that you know that you want to say, no, we don't like them. We like to be better than them, or you know, how, how does the Melbourne brewing scene work and you know, you guys are comfortable in this space. Tell us, tell us how you feel in sort of. No one's listening. No one. Hold back. <laughs> no, well, that, they are all listening, and we know that. But you know, tell us about that sort of competitive tension. I guess. I think the biggest thing for us is you know you got to try everybody's beer, uh, or you're going to end up with cellar palate. If you just drink, if we just drink our beer all the time, that's all you end up drinking. And so, as a production team, we're very, very proactive in trying uh, a lot very of hard beers. Yeah. <laughs> and, do, do you, you insist know, on getting that paid for? Do you, do you go to the owners and go, look, I, I think I've got a bit of the old cellar pallet building up. Can you buy me a few slabs no. of? Hmm. No, no. We actually have some nice exchanges going with other breweries around the country where we'll send cases of our beer off and they'll send cases back. And so we can all kind of share them around. Um, I think that we're all very, very friendly. And uh, I have a lot of respect for a lot of what are the other, um, uh, uh, what a lot of the other breweries are doing. And, you know, because we do a, a bigger range of styles, it's hard to, you know, pinpoint all oh, this one and this one and that one, because we do a lot of different things. And I've now definitely stepped it out of uh, um, controversy corner and <laughs> yeah. we're all hugging and we're all friends. And that's what just happened there. So nice try and great question, but uh, no, 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 no. I think, um, you know, uh, the, 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 the business is and the market is, is big enough for a lot of us. And, and I think that, you know, some of the styles we make, I love drinking beers from other breweries that make the same styles. I love drinking Chris's beers from Mr. Banks and I love drinking the, the beers from mountain culture. You know, I, I think they're amazing. And I, um, you know, we try to, to try them constantly. So in that sense, yeah, I don't know. I don't really see it like that. I mean, I think on that note, we're going to take yes. a quick break. Yeah. And um, we're going to come back and talk about the double lamington. We're back in the cool room where Travis has just clapped his hands. I always find that odd because I can see him clapping his hands. I can't hear him clapping his hands. It's some little weird bit of physics at work there. We're here with our very good friends with Deeds. We're reminding you to jump onto our Shopify store and grab the tasting pack that will cover the four September tastings that we're doing in our online Meet the Brewers series. We're asking again, if you're listening to the podcast, to jump onto your podcast platform, subscribe to the podcast, and to like it and rate it. It makes a big difference to making sure that uh, the word about the podcast gets out there. Um, it really genuinely does. It pushes things up in uh, Apple's ratings, which makes a big difference uh, to how we uh, how we can survive. Um, 
guys, let's talk double lamington. Um, this beer's got a bit of a history. I think last time we had you on the show, it was because there was a coincidence of the brewery's birthday and my ownership of the Royal Mail Hotel. Uh, I haven't been there for a bit, but I just got a uh, another fine from uh, one of the gas supply companies for still not returning cylinders or something in their view. Um, let's talk happily. Tell us about this beer. What should we be tasting? What should we see in the glass? What should we be smelling? And how will it change while it's in the glass? You want to talk about it, Kimar? You like this beer a lot. I love it so much, but also I'm not a brewer, so this is just going to be like me fanboying over over anything that has Lamington on the label. So <laughs> you'll probably have a more balanced perspective about it. Okay, all right, all right, fair enough. Um, yeah, look, Double Lamington. Um, I think I'm not sure how many years ago, but Deeds first released a Lamington ale that they did. Um, yeah, it must have been many years ago now, and it was. It was, uh, it was a fairly popular beer uh, for them. This was back when they were contract brewing before they had their own facility, um, you know, obviously in Glen Iris. And, and it's a beer that uh, uh, is, was just very popular for them. So much so that when we, when we first had a summer festival, our first one when the production crew had joined and, and we made all these 50 liter kegs of what would become Double Time and Juice Train and all this stuff, like these pilot batches that we were going to put on. And Pat was like, Justin, make sure that there's a keg of lamington on. And I'm like, it's it's 100 degrees outside. It's going to be 35 degrees. And he's like, nah, got to have the lamington on. I said, okay. And by God, it's the first keg to kick. And I was <laughs> shocked. So we got, got all this beautiful haze and all these IPAs and pale ale. It's going to be amazing. Lamington. I want a lamington. I want a lamington. And yeah, then I kind of realized that there was a bit of a, a reputation and a following for that beer. So once we started brewing at Glen Iris and that production facility came up, um, we immediately, you know, we brewed the, the original Lamington. Um, we still do. The recipe has not changed that much. And um, but we decided, you know, wouldn't it be nice to do a twist on it and just take it up a little bit, you know, amp it up, which is what we what we like to do, you know. So we we talked about essentially making a double lamington and not only increasing the alcohol and the flavor, but also, you know, getting, getting some of that jam in there, some of that, that raspberry. And um, so, yeah, that first year that we did it and I'll be honest, we probably put way too much raspberry in it, like way too much. And way, way too it was much. delicious, <laughs> way too much. Yeah. And it was delicious, but it was also a precursor of probably, you know, lacto lactose cream sours to come but in the form of a bizarre brown ale that had this super tart finish from raspberry and coconut highlights and you know we were all like yeah beautiful wonderful this came out really interesting and then yeah the next year we we toned back the raspberry a touch to kind of give it a a more balance and and give it more of a you know a sweet finish more like the cake would be than than overly tart and it has remained, um, you know, I, I would think a, a highly requested beer. People ask about it. I'm glad that we don't release it in the middle of summer. I think it is still kind of an autumn, wintry beer. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the, the history of its current um, rendition. I think this is maybe the third time we've brewed it. I think the we brewed third it. Third batch. 
Yeah. yeah the very mm. first year and then we did it again and then yeah we did it again this year so yeah it still seems to go people seem to 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 like it so you know i think it's going to be one of those ones that we'll probably keep bringing up is it one of those beers that now sort of has a bit of a life in the brewery like you know is it one of those ones where people look forward to the time of year that you brew it or it's got its own sort of nickname or you know it's a bit of a relationship with it's definitely the double ammo Definitely the double ammo in the brewery. Um, yeah, I think it's definitely, I think that come, uh, you know, March, everybody starts asking about when it's probably going to go in again. And then we have to reach out to our fruit suppliers and get things, kind of things organized. And and then the talk gets wild. You know, you talk, start talking about bourbon barrels and you start talking about barrel aging it or doing different things, you know, taking it in different directions. Um, so, yeah, I think I think in that that sense it does. You know, I mean... The market the way it is now with all the breweries, other than core range, it seems everybody, you know, is just punishing you with limiteds all the time. And we've found that some of them, when we rebrew them, they just don't have the same interest. People are like, oh, yeah, that was that was great last year. But, you know, I need something new. And um, but one thing I can say with Double Wilmington, at least that there's still that that interest in that pickup, because I think it has such that that quintessential kind of australian dessert flavor to it and it's not quite an imperial stout it's a you know it's an imperial brown ale which is you know interesting in and of itself so yeah mm. i think for um a lot of people myself included uh the original the og lamington was one of the first um beers that uh, certainly it was one of the first beers that i ever tried back long before i worked for deeds and before i was very biased um one of the very first beers that I tried that said it would taste like something on the label and to my uneducated palate, it actually tasted like that thing that it said that it would on the label. Um, and it was a real exciting moment because, you know, back then every so often I'd have like a West coast or something. I'd be like, uh, grapefruit. I'm, I'm not getting any grapefruit. Like what, what are they talking about? Am I, am I dumb? Am I like, is there something wrong with me? Cause I can't taste that thing. But then with Lamington, I didn't even think I liked dark beers at the time, but um, yeah, it tastes like I tasted it. I was like, wow, it's like chocolate and there's coconut and there's like a tiny bit of multi jammy sweetness on the back end. This is, yeah, yeah, I get it. And I think it's sort of, I, I have a sneaky suspicion that it developed a little bit of a, a cult following because a lot of people had the same experience with it. Um, and so I've been, I was super excited uh, when uh, when I found out that we were doing a double ammo. Um, and now the the only thing I'm waiting for is the triple ammo, which is both with jam and cream. Um, that's is is that another one of the takeaways we're taking away from tonight, Kumar? That you've officially announced that? <laughs> no, I, I don't get I don't get to say I don't get to say shit like that. Um, but. Hang on, hang on. This is becoming one of the. You can call me Rachel in a minute as I go through the uh, press conference mode here. But you're not denying it either. Well, I suppose it's one of those things where, like, you don't rule stuff like that out. It could happen. You're getting cornered, Kumar. You're getting cornered. Yeah, I could. Yeah, you guys like to, to go away, and JC will just let you know how to sidestep. Hang on, I've got a, I've got a real good platform. I'd love to see this beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll definitely <laughs> prove it. <laughs> <laughs> you can set your watches to it. 
<laughs> and and yeah. no one who actually controls the purse strings will be listening to this so we can get away with that tonight. Yeah, exactly right. Although I get the feeling the guys who control the purse strings, the, oh, I can't even speak, the purse strings are like, fuck it, do it, do it. <laughs> that, that sounds amazing. Very, Just fucking get it done. That was survivor. Very type. supportive in letting us run with with different beers so mm, yeah oh, yeah and like yeah, they're yeah. really Not, nothing's ever off the table really like a triple lemington like a triple yeah. lemington why not why a not? bourbon Shut... barrel aged triple <laughs> lemington. Yes. Yes. there you go, there you go. I, I reckon you skip the triple just go the quad yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah what are we what are we even talking oh. about here um, and, and it comes with a little side of of like a, a, a fermented cream that you could just pour over the no, oh, fuck it. All right. Well, of, of course, back in the Royal Mail days, we used to do exactly that. We used to uh, yes. have a wonderful barman behind the uh, bar from time to time. Warren, as you well know, because that was you. And we used to pair all of these uh, delicious uh, beers, which used to be for our birthday and the uh, brewery's birthday, with, you know, similar... Um, Ridiculous similar stuff. Exactly right. Thank you for jumping now that you've got the restaurant uh, out at the bar and the brewery, oh yeah, um, can you tell us a little bit about how much interaction there is between the kitchen and the brewery? Uh, you know, do you guys think about new beers to to make things you know suit the food better? And how much feedback back and forth is there? All right then. Uh- well, our, our head chef, Paul Creston, is a, a massive, um, he's a massive beer guy. He came in um, when they brought him in and his big thing was trying to do as much as he could in the kitchen with not only our beers, but beer making ingredients. So much so that it can sometimes be uh, difficult because you're very, very busy and then he wants some malt or some DME or some LME and then you have to go dig it up for him. But... It is a wonderful thing because I really, I really like that integration because it's very easy for, um, you know, a craft beer venue to have a very um, limited menu or have something that is, you know, very, um, you know, not trying to, to tell that bigger story about pairing food and, um, and, and beer and using them back and forth. So, no, I think that there's a, there's a lot of communication in that regard because it's, um, it's wonderful to do that kind of stuff because it's, you know, it's a little bit nerdy and we love that, right? Like we love that as well. It's cool. So it's so fun. are there things that you're now itching to brew that you hadn't sort of thought would be appropriate before, but now you can sort of get away with that, you know, you're looking to pair up with food? Oh, uh, slowly, slowly, but surely. I mean, it hasn't been open that long, right? That's the problem. You know, we, he came out, he put together his big menu and, and, you know, he's, he's really dialed in a lot of that. Um, with the different beers and the raw materials. But, you know, my ultimate dream would be that the ongoing conversation of what we want to do. You know, I, I dream of once more into the fray ice cream on a chocolate brownie. I, I dream of... A, uh, once a more conduct- into the fray spider. Uh, yeah, yeah. A conductor special reserve, uh, you know, cake that, that tastes like an ashtray that you can drink right there with beer. Like... I had, you know, there could be so many amazing things with these or the double lamo. I mean, you could easily, you could easily put that out with a homemade lamington with it. I mean, there's just like and no end to the brunch where everyone oh, be naked and having brunch. 
at 8 a.m. in the morning. Oh, <laughs> oh like, yay. We were on a party that we're talking about here. And it's 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 a shame because obviously with it closed, we haven't really got to, to go down that route. But I'm hopeful that when we reopen, you know, the plan is to like look at those things. And t- there's talk of, you know, trying to do, you know, dinners where, you know, you have um, people that come in and you have multiple courses with different beers or beers brewed specially with it. Um, you know, obviously, you know, Ned's been pushing forward on the, the mixed culture program and there's going to be a lot of different, you know, fruited um, fruited beers coming out that, you know, would be amazing to have with different meals. So, you know, I think that the, there's a, a bright future for all that kind of stuff, honestly. That's cool. That's genuinely so exciting other than the thought of Warren Wu naked at breakfast time, but that's just, you know, maybe that's just me. And uh, look, I'm going to put in my bid for, you know, cucumbery beers with fried pickles. That's, you know, absolutely breakfast as far as I'm concerned. Well, you could mix it with a fried chicken beer too, David. Like Mm. I've made chicken beer. I've never made fried chicken beer, but challenge kind of accepted, but, Rancid is still a word that pops up in my mind. Now, <laughs> we're going to go over to uh, some questions from the Zoom room in a minute, and um, people are now typing their questions into the chat. That's one of the best bits of joining us live on a Thursday night, and we appreciate the fact that um, breweries of the likes of Deeds are you know are able to sit around and do some of that. Before we sort of quite get to that, though, can we just talk about some of the things that you know, might be in the back of your heads that, you know, Kumar's not allowed to talk about yet. But, you know, first day of spring, second day of spring here in Melbourne, you know, what's spring going to bring? What's summer going to bring? And, you know, we all need some exciting things to look forward to. Can you, without even going to specifics, can you give us a couple of hints? Oh, I think uh, I probably, I think I opened the door a little bit there talking about um, mixed culture beers. You know, if Neto wants to speak a little bit more about that, he can here in a in a second. You know, I'm hoping to see those coming out. Um, I think that, you know, we've um, we've been along with mixed culture beers. You know, we're very much into our uh, our barrel aged beers, especially, you know, barrel aged Imperial Stouts. And, um, you know, I think we're slowly getting to the point now where we have enough barrels to where we can we can look at doing more and more creative things with those. So that is, you know, a big thing for um, for me personally, because one of the reasons I got into craft beer because of uh, bourbon barrel aged imperial stouts and, you know, uh, making them and getting the opportunity to work with them in Australia and then coming to Deeds and being able, you know, to help drive that program has been incredibly important. Ned and I have worked really close on that. So, you know, I'm hoping that we're going to see more stuff like that because that is very much something I like to drink, uh, regardless of the standard drinks on the side of the can. And the irresponsible nature of it. Um, you know, beyond that, I mean, I think that, you know, we've got a few months left in the calendar year. So you're going to continue to see um, multiple limiteds coming out uh, kind of every two weeks, which seems to be our rhythm. Uh, I saw people talking, you know, we just came out with um, the Orb Weaver and um, But Wait, There's More, which is kind of our uh, cryo pop IPA, double IPA highlight um, coming up. I mean, I'm going to cut in there. I mean, let, let's cut right now let's to, do it. to Shannon to ask his question. Shannon, I'm hoping you're able to hear us there. Unmute because you're there enjoying some of those great beers. Um, how are you enjoying the Orb Weaver? And um, 
I had a little golden orb out in my front yard in my rosemary bush tonight. So oh, nice. The weather's perfect for the orb spiders. It's good. Um, I actually really love that orb weaver. Um, I don't have a lot to say about it because I, I couldn't pick anything that was really going on in that beer, but I absolutely loved it. And I could just smash that beer constantly. Um, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> that's, that's always what you want to hear when you, you put a double IPA out there. Yeah, exactly. Smash it. Just smash that you it. decide to throw Shiraz bust in and just kind of see what happens. The yeah, fact that no. someone says that beer is that drinkable, it's like, it's kind of the highest praise you could get, really. Well, at 9%, it's not that drinkable at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> or it shouldn't be at the very least. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it, it, I, I really don't know. I couldn't pick anything in it. Um, I just loved the flavour right from the get-go. The smell and then just the taste initially, and it just got better and better. Um, and the in the back, there was a really long-winded uh, lingering bitterness as well that just lasted for you know for days which was really really nice yeah i've i have got a quick little story behind that one um so i don't know if if uh any some or most or none of you guys have tried um a beer called blur vines which is um it was our gab's beer uh, a few years ago now but um we have done that in glen iris now a couple of times um, and that is a double IPA with Sauvignon Blanc must. Um, must is basically just the juice. Um, so we get that in barrels from a winery. Um, we were thinking about brewing that beer again this year, but we had also talked about, you know, we've already done that a couple of times and we'd, we'd sort of floated the idea of doing other double IPAs or just, you know, with, with with other sort of grapes, with other um, other grape must. And we were sort of thinking maybe Chardonnay or maybe Pinot Noir. Um, and the truth of the matter is we left our run a bit late. And uh, <laughs> I don't know if you can imagine, but doing four beers a month, you know, it's, it's pretty full on. And so uh, something like that can slip through the cracks pretty easily. So we sort of rang up the, the winery and said, oh, have you got any of this? Nah. We got any of that? No. Nah. And it's like, look, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be straight with you. All we got is Shiraz. So if you want some of that, great. But um otherwise, yeah, you're gonna have to wait till next year. And we were like, Shiraz, okay. So this is like the biggest, heaviest, one of the biggest and heaviest sort of grapes that you can deal with, you know, other than maybe Cabernet, um uh cab cab sav. So we were, yeah, I was like, okay, so we'll call and- you right back. Yeah, yeah, no worries. And I'm like, <laughs> dude, what are we going to do with this? Like, okay, we're talking about doing a double red IPA and we started to plan that through. And, and I was like, nah, it's not really like, it's not really us. Like, it's not really the kind of IPAs that we make. Like, I know that Shiraz seems a bit weird, but I reckon we can do it in a hazy. I reckon we just need to yeah just try and sort of change our approach to it um and you know really drop the bitterness in this beer back and i think that we'd get a bit more tannin out of the shiraz being a red grape and and um yeah and i so i think that on the back of the palate there i think a lot of the tannin has come through 
Um, we we didn't the beer didn't quite turn out as um sort of full bodied and fluffy as we'd hoped, but it turned out really nicely anyway. Um, we we included a bit of hibiscus in there just to accentuate the color and and a bit of the kind of lighter fruit sort of bright notes. Can I ask how you do that when you talk about hibiscus? You know, what does it actually what does that mean when you're adding it? Uh, so we've added it. Um, in a few beers now. Cosmic um, Gateway was the first, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Cosmic Gateway. That was early days. That was a, um, a Saison with hibiscus. Um, and that beer was bright pink, like bright pink. Um, but we added a lot. Um, and it was also a clear beer. So the colour kind of comes through much clearer. In a hazy beer, if you've got any colour in there, it tends to come across much darker. Muddled. Yeah, it's just the way that the light refracts through the beer. Like it just doesn't catch the light and, and brighten up. Hashtag no filter. And um, <laughs> so, yeah, um, but we, we added uh, in straight into the fermenter, the, the hibiscus. Yeah. Um, basically just like dry flowers. We just sanitise them and just straighten the top with the hops. So With the hops, yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting because my guess would have been maybe it was an extract or something. It's um, awesome to know that you sort of use the actual product and sort of have the variability, I guess, that comes from that. Yeah, hibiscus is, is it's one, it's actually pretty easy to use. It's, it's amazing, like the colour you get from the flowers. It's unreal. You look at them and they're kind of like this dried up, like it's tea basically. It's dried up and it's kind of like a deep sort of muddy purple colour. And you soak it in some warm water and within like a minute, it's just like, it's like, it's so bright pink. It's amazing. And it's like super fruity and it's got a bit of an acidity to it. So, um, yeah, I probably would have liked to use just a little bit more in this beer, but, you know, we don't really pilot brew what? anything at Deeds. So we just kind of go with it and hope. Are you it saying Justin well. didn't let you or, you know, who didn't let you do the pilot brew? How many time? Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's a work in progress. We're going to start pilot brewing, but um, yeah, yeah, it is. We're not going to dwell on that tonight because we've got a couple of great audience questions. But um, I find the concept of pilot viewing and uh, brewing and not pilot brewing fascinating. Um, in terms of how much money you're committing on behalf of the organisation, um, which may or may not work out. But we're not going to spend any time on that because um, Damo Hugo. I think you've heard about a collaboration out there. And um, one of you guys, I'm going to ask to unmute, ask your question, um, because this is fascinating given the last week or two that we've had. Ask, ask what you've heard. So I'm just, you know, I've heard a little bit in the wind about a collaboration maybe, perhaps between Hop Nation and Deeds. Not sure what yet. <laughs> thought it might be a good idea. What do you, what do you feel, Justin? Yeah, it was a scoop. Let me tell you, you know, every time I, 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 I run into uh, Duncan at any event, and regardless of how many beers we've had, the conversation immediately goes to that. And it's happened every year for maybe the last like three years. I think the last ones was at the, um, was in the bathrooms of the AIBA Awards. I believe that's uh, the last time we got we our scoop. That's on the what... collaboration. That's what I'm, I'm making my notes about the, the release. 
Oh, well. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm just like standing there, you know, you're doing your business. And all of a sudden it's like, hey, man, how you doing? It's like, oh, pretty good, man. When are we going to do that collaboration? And then, you know, it was um, I was hoping that we'd get the opportunity to work out um, the details, um, you know, at their um, at their sour festival. Um, that obviously isn't going to go on this year, unfortunately. But yeah, um, that's, that's a real yeah. bummer. Yeah. Well, so well, you know, I actually heard Ned was seen at Hop Nation Brewery during the week. <laughs> uh, you guys are great. It's <laughs> it's not look. It's uh it's not untrue. I was indeed at Hop Nation Brewery for for the Whoa, record. This is yeah, the yeah. spookiest. Oh, no. Yeah, no, these these guys. I don't know where they get their info from. Straight from the source, <laughs> I reckon. It's a, it's a scoop fest tonight. This is this you can't is go out there, though. You can't go out. People know who you oh, are no. and what you're up to. Yeah. You know, sniffing around other people's breweries. Got to keep it tight leash, mate. No. Defending <laughs> Ned, he was probably just having a drink. No, no, no. there's there's no. I think they won't hear. I might be on the allowed. inside. They might know what's going on. It was strictly a business visit, of course. Um, so. Totally above board, but for the for the records, it's one of the beer exchanges that we do. Let's just say, for the record, this uh, the, the the asker of the question is actually my my younger brother. So I've been totally <laughs> stitched up. <laughs> he uh, hey, he may or may not work at Hop Nation. So is it the t- yeah. what t-shirts he wearing at the moment? It's it's quite a, it, you know it's a good looking shirt. <laughs> 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 for those you can take it back to him and say we're ready when they are okay we're ready when they are yeah. so cheers to that justin yeah <laughs> just gotta say awesome. guys from deeds this is nowhere near as bad as the guys from um, Hop Nation cop from him last week. So <laughs> <laughs> I was ju- I was just waiting for him to ask when you're going to make a Baltic porter. So <laughs> oh Jesus, um, we've we've got a couple of other questions in the Zoom room. We might have room for one or two more. But mugs, um, mate, you are very much, very much a Deeds fan. You're sitting there in your Deeds T-shirt and you've got a question which I hadn't thought of. I wish I had. It's a great one. Do you want to unmute yourself and um, and ask the guys, please? Oh, hi, guys. Um, sort of extending from the draft and, and the whole idea that you are brewing lagers and um, obviously very, very well, um, because I've, I've tried a Doppelbock and a Helles, which are very, very much traditional style, German style lagers, and you, you've just absolutely smashed them out of the park. Like, thank you. What's the process behind that? Are, are you really trying to, to to make them true to style, or are you putting a, your own little twist on them? Well, I'll let Ned say uh, answer, but I'm going to say first that the very, very first step with brewing a classic style is getting it through the sales department. Yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, we love loggers and they, they do, you know, they do move at their own rate. But I'll be honest, the market is very, very hazy and big beer driven. And, you know, we love brewing those styles. And we, you know, we look for the opportunity to brew them because, you know, we love to drink them, honestly. But uh, yeah, the very first step is like sitting in that meeting and being like, look, I know we got a hazy IPA and I know we got a double IPA 
But if we could just slip this logger right in there, it'd be perfect. And the great thing, the great thing is, is that usually, um, usually Pat and Paul uh, will let us do that. <laughs> so it is nice, but that's the first step. But then, yeah, I think then past that, uh, you know, that you go ahead if you want to comment. Yeah, uh, he speaks the truth. <laughs> there's there's beers that we make. Um, we we love all the beer that we make. First and foremost, it's important. Like every everything is is an awesome opportunity to learn and to try something different. Whether it's a double IPA, and obviously we brew a lot of those, but we're still trying different things and trying to constantly improve them. Or whether it's a, um, a beer that's heavily laden in lactose, maybe there's a almost more fruit than there is beer, or maybe it's a traditional German lager or a saison. God forbid if uh, sales should hear you mention that word. Um, but we, yeah, we love we love lagers. They're they're very near to our heart. Um, we love drinking them, but. Um, Personally, I love brewing them even more than drinking them just because they're so challenging and technical. Um, it is uh, something we don't get to do a lot, but um, when we do, the, the amount of um, research, um, the contact that I'm, you know, having with other brewing um, friends and contacts, you know, all over the globe, um, in, in Melbourne, around the country, seeking advice from people who have done things like decoction mashing, step mashing, um, using different strains of yeast, um, using uh, different kind of heritage malt varieties and things like that, you know, really like those just the purest kind of tools of brewing. Um, yeah. It's about the ingredients, but it's about, um, yeah, it's, it's just it's very sort of fine-tuned and can be, it's just challenging and we love it. Um, we did, yeah, so the Doppelbock you mentioned and what was the other one you said? Hellas. The Hellas. Yeah, yeah. So they were both very much um, trying to brew those true to style, like traditionally. Um, the Doppelbock we had in tank lagering for I think it was maybe uh, off the top of my head, maybe 10 weeks or something like that which is um, a hell of a lot longer than we, we have the draft for in tank four, for example. Um, and yeah, the Hellas again, I mean, I wish we could have that beer year round. It's just such a beautiful beer, but I don't know. Have you tried the dark skies yet? Anyone? Does anyone, does anyone really love lager? Am I just talking mm. to? Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, that, that beer was the first um, decoction mash that we've done at Deeds. Um, so that's a very traditional sort of German um, mashing technique where you separate part of it out and boil it and add it back in to add extra fermentability but rich, rich malt character. And, yeah, I think that really came through in the beer. So it's, it's awesome to get those opportunities, you know. So um, from a sales perspective, um, I will say that, uh, if you are a classical uh, classical style of beer person, if you're someone who is excited about double box or uh, Hell's Lagers or um, any, anything like that at all, if we do one of those, um, 
it's because of the sheer passion of the brewing team. Um, because from a sales perspective, and we, we see it reflected in numbers, from a sales perspective, anything with hazy on the label just moves. And then as soon as you put a, a style that isn't in English on the label, um, whether it, it even lager to a degree, but, um, you know, whether it's Doppelbock or even Pilsner, Saison, anything at all like that, instantly it becomes, you know, people who traditionally take like the bottle shops that might take two slabs might only take one or might skip this one. Um, so if we do it, it's because of a massive amount of passion from the brewing team. So if that is something that you're excited about, you can usually be pretty confident that it's going to be up your alley. So please, please pick it up. So then that way the brewers can justify doing more. We, uh, we're we going to lean towards wrapping things up here tonight. Um, we've probably got one more question from Jacob, who I think is going to unmute himself and ask his question. And then from there, we will we'll, uh, we'll go down to getting everyone's social medias and finally wrapping things up and getting things underway. And then for those in the Zoom room, you'll be able to sit around afterwards and have a bit of a chat amongst yourselves and talk about more of the beers, which uh, a few of us have got in the fridge. As David mentioned earlier, uh, some people got uh, Acquired Deeds and uh, some people got the Porter. We'll be able to have a bit of a chat about those. But uh, over to Jacob, if you're unmuted, ask away, my friend. Yeah, thank you. Um, I might just uh, seize the opportunity to make a quick comment with the, the Naked Brunch that I was just making privately with some of my friends. But so often when people suggest something's breakfast booze in general, I just think they're talking crap. Um, but this beer seriously is the beer for breakfast. I really love it. So great work with the Naked Lunch. I've been craving pancakes and smoky bacon and all kinds of things. But um, moving on to my, my question. Um, so uh, the last call room podcast, we were talking um, about Hot Nation's uh, Ratten... Um, Ratten... Uh, Rattenhund. Hund, that's it. Sorry, that's man, and that was using some live pitchable yeast. And I was just wondering what you guys, uh, what your opinion was on using live yeast cultures as opposed to the freeze-dried stuff, whether that's something you think is worthy or brings anything or something you've done a bit of. Um, but, yeah, I'll just leave that there. Yeah, well, uh, we, <laughs> we've used uh, a lot of different oh. yeast cultures. Yeah. yeah. We've used dry and we've used liquid and uh, a lot of different strains in dry and in liquid form um, in our last sort of two and a half years in Glen Iris of brewing. Um, and we've sort of settled recently. All of our kind of sensory analysis has brought us back to a yeast strain that we have tried and then gone away from. And then we just realised that, it's just like for our most of our ales, that is the one. That is the one that has just given us the best results. And that is liquid yeast. And that's from the same supplier that actually um, um, gives Rattenhund their yeast strain. So, um, yeah, they do great yeast. It's beautiful. It's local. It's great. Um, to give them a plug, it is Bluestone in Melbourne. Shout out to Derek does amazing stuff 
it's amazing yeah. to have a local yeast supply, you know, like most of the time breweries rely on for liquid yeast, it's either Y yeast in Oregon or White Labs, which is in California. And I mean, as you can imagine, shipping live yeast cultures across the globe. Especially um, now. Especially now. I yeah. mean, even in the best of times, you could still be left up creek because customs decide to open it up and won't clear it for an extra couple of days. And by that time, the yeast is pretty much dead. And, you know, your thousands of dollars spent on that is down the drain and your brew schedules uh, in the toilet. So dry yeast is something that we use very commonly because it's reliable. It's um, it, it has a shelf life that's amazing. Like you can keep it in the fridge for years most of the time and, and it's fine. But um, yeah, for our lagers, we do actually mostly use dry and most of our ales, well, yeah, we're using liquid. So it just depends. I wouldn't say one is necessarily superior to the other. It just depends on the strain. Does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, thank you. That was, that was very thorough. Um, is there any technical brewing notes anyone wants to add to that or that was still a very thorough answer? Uh, we have found that um, the liquid yeast, if you treat it well, you give it a bit of a head start and feed it some sugar in like a yeast prop tank or something like that, you'll get a much shorter lag time um, going into a beer. Like it'll just be up and like generally when the yeast comes from a lab, it's a very high viability. It's already ready to go. But if you sort of give it a bit of a kickstart, man, it'll just start ripping really quickly, which for ales, we, we find that gives us really good results. Um, lager, I'm not worried about having a long lag time. I actually think that's pretty important to have a really long, slow, cold fermentation for lagers, which I'm not sure what, um, what the guys from Hop Nation talked about with Rattenhund, but I suspect they do it pretty cold because that is a damn fine beer. Yeah. yeah. We, uh, we're going to wrap things up here but before we do uh ned jc kumar give us your social medias so we know where we can find you i feel like this is uh uh groundhog day we've done this many times before but um we will make sure we put all your details into the show notes so far away kumar uh, you know what they are <laughs> <laughs> um uh, look i feel like whatever you're on if you just search deeds of brewing then you'll find us and uh, if you can't then i guess get more savvy with social media well take it easy no i mean like yeah at I, deeds brewing at deeds brewing at, at deeds brewing yeah yeah that's what i said justin at deeds brewing. Yes. no but seriously <laughs> like just type in deeds brewing and we we would hopefully be the first thing that comes up there there, there is also um deeds taproom has an instagram account now as well you can find them at deeds taproom so they've got a separate one that's more obviously taproom focused and, um, oh, speaking of, is, this do, I have is, to, yeah. do I have to tag both of them in our socials now? Yeah, please yeah. do. And also, I just realized this is the point in the podcast normally where people plug stuff. Um, so I mentioned You're no good at that, mate. No, hang no, on. No, no, bad Put at the it. queue in the rack. Uh, you should be a seasoned professional by now, Kuma. Like <laughs> Look, I mentioned it before, but um, yeah, Taproom was open just long enough for people who were very, very keen and got in very quick to book, um, managed to sit down and, and try some of the stuff there. The food is genuinely spectacular. Um, and if you jump on 
we're, we're doing some of the food and we're doing little packs and stuff through Mr. Yum. Um, so you can actually get the, uh, the Deeds Brewing Tap Room experience to a degree at your house. Um, the food, yeah, I cannot stress enough, is genuinely spectacular. Um, so there, there are ways, if you're within 10 kilometers of the brewery, um, to get a hold of some of the quality fare that is coming out of there, um, paired up with some very, very good beers. Uh, so that's my little taproom plug. That's uh, awesome. Love it. Um, so for those listeners out there, make sure you you check out your Mr. Yum app on your, your mobile phone and stuff. But more importantly, when we do come out of this lockdown, uh, whenever that may be, the end of September, the end of October, whatever it is, make sure you get down to Glen Iris and check out the tap room because you guys have uh, been been trying to get this off the ground for like we said earlier in the in the recording in about 10 years um yeah i i feel like i i'm gonna be the spokesperson now and say just just get out there and just go and buy a beer um we're all itching to get back out to bars and and pubs and stuff and there's no better place to to go check out than than these guys that have worked their asses off for for many many years to make it happen so uh, definitely do that. I am now going to spruik about the core room stuff. Uh, David has just mentioned to me that we've sold five September packs since we started recording tonight. Um, there's roughly about 10 left. We've got Exit Brewing, we've got White Bay Brewing, and we've got Westside Owlworks coming on in September. And uh, we hope we'll have a couple of other uh, little podcasts that we'll put out throughout the weeks of September as well, but um, get onto the Shopify store and the, the core room social pages and make sure you, uh, you get your pack because the way we're looking by the end of this coming weekend, there's probably not going to be any left, um, which is awesome to think, but um, yeah, make sure you get into it as soon as you possibly can. Uh, we will have more announcements on things at some point in relation to the blind tastings and trivia and stuff. So make sure you, you check out the Facebook page for all that information as it comes to hand. Uh, guys, you guys are always awesome to have on and we really, really appreciate uh, your time tonight. So uh, JC, Ned, Kumar, thank you for coming back onto the call room for the fifth time. Hopefully in about, uh, I don't know, six months or so, we could potentially do a sixth time that's or a seventh that time awesome. that's not in a lockdown. How we good would it be to be in the tap room? Let's we record can, in the tap room. We could do it in the tap room. Yeah. It would be lovely. We can only that would be hope. Very lovely. I think that would be the, the best way to do it. Yeah. yeah. 100%. 100%. We can actually enjoy some pints off a tap and uh, have For a chat sure. in person. Uh, enjoy the rest of your night, guys. Uh, remember, you can stick around in the Zoom room and continue to chat away and try all the other deeds, beers that are in your fridge as I hold up the orb weaver. Um, we will get this episode out as soon as possible and uh, make sure everyone's uh, socials are in the show notes, guys. Enjoy uh, the rest of the night. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, legends.